All right, good morning, Transit family. Feel free to grab a seat. Grab a seat, grab a seat. How's everyone doing today? Are we good? How about that worship set this morning, huh? Woo, that was good. Thank you. Well, if I haven't met you yet, if this is your first time here, my name is Nick. I'm one of the pastors. Uh, welcome to the Transit. As the slide shows, uh, in the month of January, we like to dive into a topical sermon series. And when we're not in January, usually we preach the books of the Bible. And so the series, the sermon series we're going through right now in the month of January is He Is Not Silent, Hearing God's Voice. And uh, it's been a great series so far. We've got a couple more sermons uh, to go. And a couple of disclaimers before we dive into our topic today is this, is take this sermon series not in part but in the whole. And so if you've missed some sermons, they build on one another. So say you missed last week's message on um, God's word and hearing God's voice in his word, make sure you go back to our website or Apple Podcasts and listen to that message and the first mes- message uh, to start the new year off because it, it's all, it all builds upon each other. We're setting kind of a foundation uh, as we move on with this uh, sermon series topic. And very well, this sermon is going to be fun. We're looking at the diversity of God's voice. What we see in God's word is that our God is a God who speaks in a variety of ways Uh, to and through his people. And so um, before I go further on this question, I want to recommend a resource I recommended last week. On uh, when you first walk into the church, there's a foyer, there's a book table, and we sell books for 10 bucks there, not for profit. We buy books and then we sell, give them to you at a discounted rate. There's a great book by Jack Deere, who was a former professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, expert in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, all that stuff. And he wrote a book, while I, Why I Am Still Surprised by the Power of the Spirit, How God Still Speaks and Heals Today. Uh, If you want a comprehensive yet accessible, biblically-based resource on the topic of God speaking and healing today, look no further than that book table. Please buy it on your way out. And our topic today is the diversity of God's voice. So you and I, in 2023, we know that as we communicate with one another, there are a myriad of modes of communication. You kind of have your more traditional methods of communication, like the drop-in visit, like the in-person visit, anyone here like just like knock on some your friend's door and just drop in? Anyone do that still? I know Kanisha does. Yeah, <laughs> that's our go-to all the time. Uh, anyone here a fan of like uh, handwritten letters? Yeah, the, like two, two people still writing hand. <laughs> right hand, you know, in like Civil War English. My dearest Bonnie, it's been, you know, handwritten letters, phone calls. Like, anyone here ever talk to somebody on the phone? That's pretty true. Maybe your phone still has a cord and, like, a, like a, a wheel that you use, you know? That's more true. Or, or another uh, traditional method is a messenger sent on your behalf, right? Like, hey, babe, you're going to go see so-and-so. Can you tell them on behalf of me, like, whatever, right? Or maybe a pigeon. You tie, maybe you have a pigeon. You tie a little note around it. Call, and you, like, send it out, you know? Go to my neighbor's house and tell them I need sugar, you know, whatever. Now we have Amazon Prime, so you don't need to do that. Um, the more modern methods that we most often communicate. So those are some of your, the, the diversity of the traditional methods. The more modern methods are text, right? We're all fans of text messages, amen? Email, uh, messenger apps, right? There's like a million messenger apps. And it, I mean, it's, it's tough when you get roped into like a group that has like a different messenger app than you do, right? So now you have like your text messages, but then you have Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, Signal, so on and so forth. In addition to that, you have social media. You talk to people, direct messages on social media. And then thanks to uh, 
2020, obviously before that, but 2020 video calls, right? Who loves Zoom meetings? Anyone here just like a huge fan of Zoom meetings? Yeah, and said nobody ever. All right. And then, so you have your traditional methods of communication, modern uh, methods of communi communications, and then you have your Gen Z methods of communications. And those are two individuals who can have an entire conversation just sharing GIFs and emojis and, and nothing else. It's pretty uh, impressive uh, to watch. And so the reason I share that is given all of these methods, if you're like me on my phone, I have an iPhone, I'm an iPhone guy, and um, you can go into your settings and you can silence notifications on certain apps. So if I want to hear from you, I'm going to have my phone, my texts, and my emails pretty much there on my phone and nothing else. So if you try to reach me via WhatsApp, I'll see it in like five months, okay? And so we silence all these other modes of communication on our phone because we don't want to be on our phone like, you know, whatever, bombarded. But when you go back to those notifications, those apps that you silence, you realize, well, somebody's given me like 80 messages on WhatsApp, and I've missed out on all of these things that's happening with my family because I silenced the family group chat. Don't tell my family that's sitting over there. Um, and the reason I share that is, is this, is often we do the same thing with God, is we believe maybe subconsciously that, that God uh, uh, only speaks in one way, and so therefore we don't pay attention or have a framework for any other mode of communication that the Lord could fellowship with us and communicate with us. And so maybe the problem isn't that God is silent in our life. Maybe we've just kind of slid that button over with our spiritual ears and we said, all these notifications, all these other ways are silent. God is only going to speak to me in this way. And so our hope today with this message is to kind of shift our spiritual ears from do not disturb to allowing notifications to our God. And so today's message is going to be a different approach than normal messages. I'm going to do a brief and very broad biblical overview. Everything I'm going to share with you, rest assured, is from the Bible. Um, and if you want to know where we stand on the Holy Scriptures, listen to my sermon from last week. Everything I'm going to share to you is because God has revealed himself, and this is how he speaks with his people. So we're going to be looking at that today. I'm going to do a brief, broad, biblical survey of the various ways God speaks to his people in his word. Um, and then I'm going to have three different people well, I was going to have three different people come up and share testimonies of how God has spoken to them or their parents, but then last night I got a text from one person, and they most likely have a certain sickness that would disqualify them from being here. And then this morning at 6 a.m., I got a text from somebody else that they can't make it either because they are sick as well. And so we're going to have uh, Seth Shook come up here at the very end and share a cool testimony of, of him hearing uh, the audible voice of God last year for uh, someone in need. And, uh, and I'm going to share the written testimonies from Luke and then from Jake, our pastoral intern uh, today. So with that said, if you're taking notes, here's the three-point outline for my sermon, and then we will dive in. And this is not an exhaustive list of how God speaks uh, to his people as revealed in his word. One, we see God speaks through visits, visions, and his voice. God speaks through visits, vision, visions, and his voice. To help you out, they all start with the same letter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We bless your name. We thank you, Jesus, that you are our firm foundation. That we can come here and maybe life is crazy right now. Circumstances are out of our control and we feel shaken. And we can be reminded as we seek the things above and lift up our chins that you, Jesus, are our king and you're reigning over all things. And you're present with us no matter what we're going through, no matter what trial we're in, 
you're with us. So we love you, we thank you, Jesus, that you constantly invite us to draw nearer and closer to you, to your presence. That's your heart. That's why you came. That's why you took on flesh. That's why you went to the cross. You did that so that we could have the blessed salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, so that we can have fellowship with you. And so would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you have your way with our hearts? Would we create space for you to move in our hearts? Would you soften any hardness in our hearts? Lord, and I do pray this, that you would open up our eyes to see you accurately. Would you open up our eyes to see you the way that you have chosen to reveal your ways in your Bible, in your word, God? And so come, Holy Spirit, blow us away with your goodness and your kindness and your presence and your power. Would you receive all the glory this morning? I'm a man in need of help. Would you help me today? Would you keep my mouth from folly? And would you anoint my tongue to speak only what is true and helpful, Lord Jesus? Would you increase what I decrease? We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, first point, visits. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see that our God is a big fan of kind of the in-person visits as a means of communications. And the two primary ways I'm going to break this down, we see it, is we see God manifest his presence. Theologians call it the manifest presence of God. And angelic visitations. One, God's manifest presence. This is when, uh, if you're wondering what God's manifest presence is, this is when God just, boom, just shows up. Shows up on the pages of scripture, enters the scene, stops people in their tracks. This is when the um, omnipresent God makes his presence felt and seen and heard among his people. And the way I like to describe the difference between God's omnipresence and his manifest presence is this. I used to live in a two-story townhouse. Uh, At the time, I had two kids, and I was omnipresent in that townhouse, all right? So my kids could be playing downstairs, and I could be on my Ikea reading chair, spend time with Jesus um, on the upper upper level. Okay, two stories, but I could hear everything that's going on downstairs. I could parent my kids. They could hear my voice. They could hear my audible voice. They knew, my kids knew daddy was home because they'd start chirping at each other, start fighting, and I'd say, cut it out, you know, whatever. And I go back to, right? I'm omnipresent. Nothing escapes my sight in that two-story townhouse. And my kids know, daddy's here with us. I can hear daddy's voice. I know he's here. But then my kids go, and uh, uh, they, they build a fort. And this is actually a real story I shared during our Acts sermon series. But they built this epic fort, but it's, it's, it's really big to them. It's really small for me. And I hear a cry, and we're singing this morning. It's a cry of God's people. The Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. That's a, that's a good song. That's a good prayer to pray. So my kids cry out, and they, they're playing the acoustic guitar saying, Father, your presence welcome here in our, in our little tent. They say, come, they're, what they're saying is, Daddy, we built a fort. We want you to come play with us. Come enter the fort. And so what I do then is I shift from omnipresence to then I manifest my presence in that fort. Was I present? I've always been present with them. I, 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 I know what's happening in their lives and all that stuff. But when I manifest my presence in that little fort, my kids, my like four and two-year-old at the time, have a completely different experience of who their father is. They feel the kavod in Hebrew, the, the, the name for the glory of God is kavod, which means weightiness. So when I manifest my presence, I'm, they, they, all of a sudden they, they have this, they feel the weight of their, their father. They hear the booming volume of his voice. It's a completely different experience. That's, that's the manifest presence of God. And in the Old Testament, we see this happen in 2 Chronicles 5. Solomon dedicates the temple, the, the, the fort, if you will, where God's glory does. Go read 2 Chronicles 5. After they dedicate the temple, God's glory rushes in, and what happens? All the priests hit the floor. 
says they can't stand. That's in your Bible. So when God shows up on the scene, and usually when God manifests his presence, how do you know God entered the room? Everybody's on the floor, face on the ground, weeping in reverence and fear and awe of God. And I think one of the uh, most beautiful pictures we have is the story in Exodus 3, the encounter where uh, God appears to Moses in the, in, the, in the burning bush. Just in-person visit. Moses is out there tending sheep, and then boom, burning bush. Hey, Moses, I'm about to change your life. I'm about to change the history of the world through you. Boom, manifest presence. New Testament, where do we see this? In the New Testament, Acts 9. Saul is uh, persecuting Christians. He's on the road to Damascus to imprison them and kill them and stop the move of God that's happening after the Holy Spirit fell upon the believers in Acts 2. And on the road to Damascus, you all know the story, hopefully, um, Acts 9, Jesus appears. He manifests his presence on the road to Damascus. What happens? Paul's blinded, hits the floor, hears the booming voice of Jesus. Paul, Saul's life is completely changed, and the landscape of human history is completely changed. So in-person visit, boom, God stops people in their tracks. We see that in Scripture. Secondly, uh, we see God send uh, either not just his presence or angels on behalf of him. We, we see a, a myriad of examples in both the Old Testament and uh, the New Testament of angelic visitations. God sending angelic messengers to save and to strengthen and to speak to his people on his behalf. And this is what we see as angels speak and act on, be, on God's behalf for God's glory and our good. And when we see in the Bible angelic, angelic visitations happen, it's usually because God's people are in the fire. Like literally, or they're in the battle, or they're about to go into the battle. Okay, that's usually when we see angelic visitation. So in the Old Testament, there's a myriad of examples. Anyone here uh, hop on that five-day reading plan I mentioned last week? Anyone? Show of hands. Oh, got some hands? Okay, okay, good, good. So we're in Genesis. Part of that reading plan, we're in Genesis. There's a lot of stuff going on in Genesis, right? It's really exciting. Uh, but one of my favorites, we preached in 2020, we preached through Daniel. Uh, we decided to preach through Daniel before 2020 happened, and it was a very fitting sermon series in 2020. Uh, but there's some epic angelic visitations, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fiery furnace, and there's a fourth man in the fire who, who keeps him safe, right? And then Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. And then how is Daniel saved? What's the means that God communicates and, 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 and saves Daniel? Daniel 6, says this. Daniel speaking to Darius. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. I love that picture, right? Like just Daniel hanging out with an angel who's maybe just like got like a lion in a headlock, like wrestling with the lion, you know, like, man, just so cool. Um, in the New Testament, go read, go read the book of Acts. There, there's, there's angelic activity in the book of Acts. And we see in Acts 5 that Peter and the apostles uh, are arrested, uh, arrested and they're imprisoned by the high priest. And this is what happens in Acts 5, 17 through 21. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. What I love about this angelic visitation is like, boom, angel comes, kicks open the door. It's like, man, I'm saving you guys. And then he speaks on behalf of God. He speaks to them a message. He's like, I'm rescuing you out of the battle. Oh, by the way, get a good night of sleep. I'm, the Lord is sending you right back into the battle to do what got you arrested, right? Isn't that amazing? It's like, yeah, salvation has come. Thank you, Lord, you saved us. And the angel's like, hey, don't get too excited. What got you in jail? I want you to go do that the very next day. But if you want to know how Acts 1-8 plays out, we're going to talk about this next week. 
Acts 1.8 is the famous like, thesis statement of the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Right? And I would say, uh, and I have biblical scholars to back me up on this, that the rest of Acts is that thesis statement being played out, that this is what it looks like when the Holy Spirit clothes you in power to advance the kingdom of God. Well, if we were to ask the question, okay, Acts 1.8, what does it look like when the Holy Spirit empowers the church, emboldens the church to be witnesses facing persecution and death and still testifying of the gospel of Jesus' death and resurrection? It's the ministry and acts of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And how does that manifest? Well, dreams, visions, prophetic words, that's how that happens. We'll talk more about that next week. I'm getting ahead of myself. When we get ahead of myself, I gotta slow down here. And so with that said, um, at this point in the sermon, I was going to call up uh, Luke Sykes to share testimony about his parents and a potential angelic encounter they had. He wrote it out for me, pray for him and his family that they get better. Um, But this is a testimony that he shared at men's Bible study. So open invitation every Wednesday at 6 a.m., uh, the men of the church are all welcome to gather. We meet at my place, most likely we'll meet at the church this week. My house is under some construction. Um, and we grab coffee, and then what we do is we gather to talk about the sermon text that'll, preached, that'll be preached this coming Sunday. So Wednesdays at 6 a.m., if you want more info, come and find me. But Luke shared this story at Men's Bible Study, and I asked him to share it, uh, but I'll read it for you. And this is what he says. Uh, as soon as my little brother left for college, God opened the door for my parents to move to a country they had fallen in love with over the last 30 years and so desperately wanted to move there as missionaries. They traveled to this country as a requirement to join the staff for Campus Crusade for Christ. The country that God chose for them is in Eastern Europe. Their first trip was in 1984 during communist rule of the emperor Nikolai Ceausescu. This man was a tyrant. Bibles were illegal, Christianity was outlawed, and any association with the United States was monitored or questioned by the secret police, and the country was Romania. My parents spent their time in this country smug, being smuggled around, meeting in secret hiding places in somebody's basement where they worshiped the Lord and spread the gospel in secrecy. If they sat at a table in a restaurant, they were never able to use people's names for fear that their centerpiece was bugged and the police would arrest and imprison the Christians who helped them. One night, my parents were supposed to travel to their next destination by train. It was the middle of the night when their cab dropped them off at the train station and my dad held out a U.S. $10 bill. The man looked at it, his face flushed white, and his eyes went wide with terror. He quickly ushered them, kicked them out of his cab without payment, and sped off into the night. My parents were alone in a country where almost no one spoke English with nobody else around. The place was empty. They looked at the train schedule, trying to figure out how they would buy their tickets. They didn't have Romanian currency, and they didn't speak Romanian. The man at the counter didn't speak English. As my parents were praying for guidance a man walked up to them and introduced himself in perfect English. They told the man what they needed, and he walked over to the counter to speak with the man in Romanian. A few minutes later, the man walked back with two tickets to their destination. They looked at each other with astonishment, disbelief, and joy. They started to thank the man for his help, but when they looked back, the man was gone. A train station in the middle of the night with no one to be seen, and this man just disappeared right in front of them. Could have been an angelic visitation. That's what his parents believe, right? In that moment, in the battle, uh, don't speak Romanian, uh, need help, and all of a sudden, a man who speaks perfect English in Romania not only speaks to them, but buys the ticket, and then all of a sudden, like Jason Bourne just vanishes, um, which is awesome. So let me say this. Uh, We don't seek out angels. We don't seek out 
angelic visitations. Anytime an angel arrives on the scene and people will try to worship the angel, the angel's like, don't you dare do that. That's not what it's about. Angels point us to God's glory. They're sent there on God's behalf. What we seek is we don't seek out angelic encounters. We seek to preach and advance the gospel of the kingdom. And as we do that with all of our hearts, and God maybe sends us into very difficult situations where our life is threatened, we have the assurance that God has a heavenly arsenal uh, at his beck and call to minister and comfort and strengthen and maybe save and deliver uh, us. I got to move on. I have some other verses to share on that, but I'm going to move on to my second point. Uh, Visions. So we talked about visitations. Now we're going to talk about visions. Throughout the scriptures, we see that God speaks to people in visions. And primarily, the two type of ways that God speaks to people in visions is when they're awake and when they're asleep. If you get a vision from God when you're asleep, we'll call that a dream. And if you get a vision uh, from God during the day, let's call that a daydream, okay? And so let's talk about visions when you're awake. What is a vision? It's essentially kind of like a a video reel, if you will, of a message that God wants to communicate uh, to you. And I've heard stories where it's just kind of like all of a sudden a projector screen you're just you see it with your physical eyes you can see that vision with your physical eyes projector screen just kind of goes out and you see it and then it closes boom holy smokes what was that okay crazy right or as you're praying for someone you can get like a a, a image or a picture kind of like a video reel in your head that is from the lord and we both call those uh visions and i think one of the most famous ones there's there's a ton of these in in the old testament uh but in acts we see in acts 10 we see peter's famous pigs in a blanket vision all right Acts 10, 9 through 16, uh, and, and it was by a vision in the middle of the day to Peter that changed the landscape of the world. It was through this vision that the gospel went to the Gentiles. It's through this vision that Peter's mind was beginning to be renewed by the Holy Spirit. It was God who gave Peter this vision. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And he saw something opened, and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And I love Peter in the vision. He's still Peter in the vision, right? And Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. I love even in the vision, Peter like, is still wrestling with God three times, and the Lord's like, no, three times. What I call clean, no call common. So it's through this vision, if you know how Acts goes, in 2021, we did a whole sermon series halfway through the book of Acts, and um, this was the inbreaking of the gospel going to the Gentiles. came about through a vision by the Holy Spirit hey, go to Cornelius and his household, preach the gospel. They all come to know Jesus. Boom. And, thank, and, and so the Gentiles get salvation, and because of this vision, we all get bacon. Win-win. God is good. Amen. All right. Secondly, there you guys are. All right. Secondly, we see God speaks in dreams, visions in the night. These the examples, are just go read, I'll just say, read your Bibles. They're every, God speaks in dreams, Old Testament, New Testament, all over the place. In Acts 16, uh, we see Paul is on his second missionary journey. And uh, the calling of Jesus has come to, to go to the nations, the ends of the earth. Well, there's a lot of them. Which one do you want us to go to? And the Lord, by the Spirit, in Acts 16, says, don't go to Asia. And then, as they're probably asking and praying, well, then where do you want us to go? Paul has a vision in the night from God. And this is what it says in Acts 16, 9 through 10. 
And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Do you guys, like, do you guys see what happened there? Like, Paul got a dream. He got a vision in the night from the Lord. Changes the entire course of that, that missionary team by dream. That, that's, that's, that's what it's like to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. Not every dream is from God, but we need to have a framework that God very well might speak to us in our dreams. And I'll talk more about that in, in, in future episodes, okay? Um, but I'm going to uh, talk about how, um, I forgot to say this. Why am I sharing testimonies? Why, why, why did I want three people up here to share testimonies uh, in this talk? Because here's, here's why. You and I would never maybe admit this, but our subconscious reading of the scriptures is this. We have a subconscious filter when we read the Bible, and it's this. Anything weird that happens or something we haven't experienced doesn't happen today. The weird stuff God doesn't do anymore. We just have that subconscious filter, right, as Western uh, Christians in the, in the 21st century, right? Hey, that's weird. I don't like it. It doesn't make sense to me. I guess God retired. And I guess angels went on vacation and they've retired too. Now that, you know, like, no. And so we have this kind of anti-weird theology. Now listen, I'm not pro-weird. I'm just, uh, I'm just pro-scripture. And if God, it, anyways, this is God's idea. All this is God's idea. The various modes of communication. And we as, as people who want to live our life not over the scriptures, but under the authority of God's word as he has chosen to reveal himself throughout the history of man, we need to follow what he wants, not what we want. Okay? And so, like, let's repent of our anti-weird theology and not be pro-weird. I don't want to be a pro-weird church. Okay? But I want, I want a church where, God's, where, where, where we actually, we don't do what the angels did to the lions, to the line of Judah. We shut the mouth of the lion because we're kind of weirded out. It's kind, of, it's kind of out of our control. Like, we like our theology airtight so we can just cage the lion of Judah and say, actually, he, he retired. Uh, he doesn't do any of that anymore. No, no, he hasn't. The only problem with that is God himself, right? We can't, we can't, we can't uh, close the mouth of the Lion of Judah. He's still living and active. He's still speaking and moving. Amen? I got amen over there. All right. So God's still dishing out dreams today, and I want to share a story from our pastoral intern, Jake. Before Jake came uh, on as our pastoral intern, he was a police officer in D.C. for six and a half years in Anacostia, and there was a night that he had a dream that played out in a crazy way the very next day, okay? And this is his written testimony. He was going to be up here and sharing it. Pray for him and his family that they get better. All right. One night I had a dream where I was on a traffic stop, meaning he pulled over a car. That's a traffic stop. And as I look up, a guy in the car points an Uzi at my partner and I. If you don't know what an Uzi is, it's like a, it's like a uh, how do I describe this? A handgun that's fully automatic. It's a very unique a fully automatic handgun that you hope to never see 20 minutes east of us in D.C., okay? So the car points an Uzi at my partner and I. I immediately reach for my gun. This is still in the dream. I immediately reach for my gun, and the dream cuts out. And the next part of the dream, I see that the guy is out of the car and sitting on the curb. And I looked in the car, and there was no gun, and no one got hurt. And in the dream, I remember saying, oh, thank you, Lord. I didn't have to use force. And then, boom, the dream ends. Okay, that's the dream. That's all I got. Maybe that was the pizza he ate that night. You know, who knows what that could be. 
Well, the same day, he wakes up that morning, having the dream. this is his day at work. Later that day, I go into work and notice there's quite a commotion in the office of my unit. Our unit had intel that a teenager was on social media outside dancing and waving a gun. We all gear up and headed to the area. He gives a bunch of details. That's all cop talk. I'm not going to read it. All right, because he can explain better than I can. Uh, our undercover vehicle near the location confirms he has the gun out, and then once he placed it back uh, in his pocket, we are given the word to move in. So someone's watching the guy. He has the gun out. He places it back in his pocket. This is just a handgun, uh, not an Uzi. And so once that happens, he placed it back in his pocket. We are given the word to move in. And right as we start to move in, my partner says over the radio, hey, use caution. If this kid goes in the house, he was seen with an Uzi over the weekend on Instagram. Did you guys catch that? Okay. Immediately, I remember my dream, and my heart and adrenaline start spiking. I go, what? I think, myself, what is it? I think to myself, what is about to happen? I didn't tell anyone my dream, nor had I ever seen this kid before. There's no time to think. We were rolling, and I just had to say a quick prayer. We get there way before the rest of our unit. I see the kid dance. I, he calls him a kid, a teenager, and uh, he sees the kid dancing right to my left. We freeze. The kid freezes, and then he sprints towards the front door of his house. I run after him, and he slams the door and bars it. I kick it in and go in with one of my partners behind me. As the door swings open, I hear running up the stairs now around the corner. As I am clearing the house, the dream, watch this, watch this. As I'm clearing the house, the dream from the night before is brought back to my mind, and an absolute peace comes over me that everything will be completely fine. No one would get hurt. In the midst of a chaotic situation, I couldn't shake that peace the entire time I cleared the house. Some of you military folks probably know what it's like to go room by room clearing the house with your gun drawn. I have no idea what that's like, but I can imagine it's terrifying. Long story short, I stopped the kid in his bedroom, and we applied for an emergency search warrant for the house. We execute the search warrant and recover the handgun in the closet next to where I stopped him, and also we recover, lo and behold, an Uzi in the bedroom, the same exact style of gun that was in my dream the night before. It's pretty amazing, huh? God's still on the move. He's still speaking in dreams. And because God, God gave that, dra- that dream to Jake, our pastoral intern, maybe that saved people from a lot of harm, from, from, from bad decisions and really difficult situations, right? That's God's grace and his goodness to us. I hope that stirs faith in you. Third thing we see, and lastly, and I'll conclude with this, is uh, God in his word, we see he, he just speaks directly to his people, uh, immediately and directly to his people. Uh, and that can come in, in two forms. Uh, the, the third point of my talk is, yes, we see God visit, we see visions, and we see his voice, his voice. And his voice can come in two, two forms. It can come in an internal voice and an audible voice. And so first thing we're going to look at is the internal voice of God. In my opinion, outside the sacred scriptures, the internal voice of God, I think, is the primary means by which God speaks to his people. The still, small whisper, the gut impressions of God, where we listen with our spiritual ears, and we have thoughts that flash across our mind. Not every thought that flashes across your mind is God. Every, and, and if you do think it's God, it better line up with God's word, right? But you, hopefully all of us have those stories. Well, all of a sudden, we just have this gut impression that we're to leave a situation or enter into a situation, or we have a thought that flashes our mind when we're out in public to go pray for someone and it comes to fruition, 
that it was totally the Lord and this person is in desperate need of help. That's the still, small voice of God. And here's the kicker. This is probably the most consistent way that God speaks to us outside of his word and yet the most easy to miss because it's so subtle. And so unless we posture our hearts to slow down and stay in constant close communion with God, we very well can easily miss that whisper, that wooing of the spirit to draw nearer to his presence. And in the book of Acts, I just want to say, so the Holy Spirit takes up residence in every believer. This is standard Orthodox Christianity. The second you profess a lordship, uh, Christ's lordship over your life, receive the forgiveness of your sins, the Holy Spirit applies that redemption to your heart and washes you, cleanses you from your sins, and fills you with the Spirit of God. And in the book of Acts will be my biblical, just go read the entire book of Acts. But in 59 times, 59 times in the book of Acts, that's more than twice each chapter, 59 times in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit shows up on the scene. The Holy Spirit is mentioned. And in nearly 40 of those times, in nearly 40 of those times, the Holy Spirit is speaking to believers and through believers. 40 times in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is speaking and leading and guiding in various ways to his people and through his people. And what's beautiful about the book of Acts is we're not told how. Say, hey, the Spirit said this, the Spirit said this, the Spirit said this. And sometimes we'll find out how. But I think more often than not, especially for Acts 8, which I'll show here, Acts 8 with Philip's encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch, the Holy Spirit quickens Philip and says this. And the Spirit said to Philip, immediately and directly said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And you all know the story. He goes over. He, he, he goes to this Ethiopian who has, is reading the, the scroll of Isaiah, and he leads this man to Jesus, and, uh, and the person gets baptized. And uh, although we're not sure how, more often than not, if I'm a betting man and I see Philip in glory, I'm saying, hey, that was, that was an internal voice, wasn't it? You're, 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 you're dialed in, you're talking to God, and all of a sudden you feel, which you now have discerned the voice of God saying, go to that chariot, go over to that chariot. And so that's the internal voice of God. We'll talk more about that next week. Secondly is God's audible voice. This is um, uh, the vo- God's voice when he speaks, when you can hear it with your physical ears. And so there's stories in the Bible and there's stories outside the Bible of God, people hearing God's voice but mistaking it for somebody else, calling their name. Um, and there's times where God speaks where it's undeniable. Buildings shake, mountains shake when God speaks, right? But you hear it with your physical ears. I think one of the best examples of this is the story of uh, Samuel in 1 Samuel uh, 3, when Samuel, under the, uh, the priest Eli, is learning how to hear God's voice. And three times in the night, the Lord audibly speaks to Samuel, calls him by name, Samuel. And Samuel runs up, goes to Eli, wakes Eli up, and is like, hey, Eli, what's up? You called my name. Eli's like, no, I didn't. Go back to bed. It happens three times. And then finally, Eli's like, dude, it's God. Stop bugging me. And he says, if you hear it again, say this prayer. Lord, speak, your servant is listening. And that began Samuel's ministry from that point on. Uh, other New Testament examples are Jesus' baptism, the Mount of Transfiguration, the Father's booming voice, uh, talking about, hey, this is my beloved son, listen to him, whom I'm well pleased. We see in Acts, uh, 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 Saul, his conversion, uh, uh, Jesus' audible voice, uh, booming and speaking. And uh, so all that say, that's my broad biblical overview uh, but with the audible voice of God, I want to call up Seth Shook uh, to the stage, my, my, my last man standing here who isn't sick, uh, to share. Moral of the story, if I ever ask you to share a testimony at the transit, say no because you'll probably get sick. Okay, just kidding. Here you go, bro. So hopefully I don't go home and get sick, right? It's coming. 
Um, so Nick asked me to share this. I'm Seth. I'm one of the elders here. I just want to share something that happened to me on uh, June 10th of last year. So about 12.50 in the morning, I kind of just find myself awake in the bed, and I'm laying there about half asleep, and all of a sudden I hear this voice coming from outside my door, and it, it calls my name. It says, Seth. And it was so clear and so present and audible. Before I even knew what I was doing, I sat up in the bed and went, yes, because like, I thought somebody was at the door. Um, no one's there. Michelle's asleep. The kids are asleep. And I'm just kind of sitting there. And so I lay back down, a little freaked out. I'm like, what was that? What's happening? And as I'm, I'm dozing, trying to figure out what's happening, I, I just remember, like, oh, this, maybe this is the Spirit. So just whisper it in the dark, like, speak, Lord, and your servant's listening. And just lay in there. Um, trying to figure out, you know, what do I do? And I, I just had this thought, like, well, I'm awake, it's one in the morning, maybe I should be praying for somebody. So I just kind of lay there and start to pray, and uh, this, this specific person from our church just kind of flashed into my mind. So I'm like, okay, I'll pray for them. So I'm laying there praying, and I, I just get the faintest little thought or impression or idea that you should get out of bed and get on your knees. Um, starts this internal debate, because I'm like, it's cold out there, it's warm in my bed, <laughs> I can pray just as well here as I can out there, but I'm kind of dozing a little bit. And then, you know, I remembered again, like, oh, sometimes God speaks through these little voices or ideas. So I decided I'm just going to go for it. What's the worst that could happen? So now it's 1 o'clock in the morning in my underwear next to the bed, cold, sitting there like, man, this voice just woke me up. I'm praying for this guy. What should I be praying for? And as I'm kind of asking that question, this immediately, this very specific, very important issue just hits my mind. I'm like, oh, okay, let's go. So start to pray, asking God to guide that prayer, and scripture comes to mind, or thoughts come to mind, and so I pray through those things. And y'all, it was the, the most intense experience of prayer I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, I was there for over half an hour, just praying. Um, and it was incredible. And I, I got to a point where, like, the cry inside my heart just wanted to explode out of me, and English just wasn't cutting it anymore. But I didn't have words to express what that cry was. And I, I've never spoken in tongues. I've never prayed in tongues. But I feel like that was probably as close as I've ever gotten to, to that. Um, and it, it was just amazing. And so after about half an hour, it, things kind of wrapped up. And I wrote everything down, which I would highly recommend if you have any experiences like that. Write it down and tried to go back to sleep. Uh, but a couple of takeaways from that experience for you guys that I think are really important. The first is, other than like waking me up and getting my attention, every single piece of guidance that came that night came through an internal like thought. It was very faint, very easy to ignore, very easy to miss. And I could have chosen just to go right back to sleep. Uh, it would have been easy to do. So takeaway number one, pay attention to those thoughts, check them against scripture, and if they're scriptural, act on it and see what happens. Uh, number two, you know, we're tempted to say, like, the canon has been closed, so God doesn't speak like that anymore. He did in the Bible because they were still writing the Bible, but we have the word now, so he can't do that anymore, right? And the point is, you know, we trust God to guide us, right? He leads me in path of righteousness for his name's sake, or... You know, all the other verses in the Bible that talks about God's going to lead us. That's exactly what he was doing that night. He didn't add anything to Scripture. He didn't give me some new and mystic knowledge that no one's ever had before. 
All he was doing was creating a very specific opportunity to go and apply what he had already taught me in the Word. And, and that's why he was speaking. And then the last thing, a challenge for everyone. Um, when Nick started preaching through this a couple of years ago, it just kind of awoke this hunger in me. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I've never heard of this before. Um, but I was skeptical. You could call it open but cautious. That's kind of where I've been the majority of my life. And so I kind of got fed up one day, and I went home and just prayed. And I said, all right, God, I don't know if you're still doing this anymore. Is this true? Are you really doing this? And if you are, I want in. So, like, show me. Um, and so in that prayer, I just told him, hey, here's my theology. And if I've misunderstood you, if I've misinterpreted your word, if there's something that I am misunderstanding, then I hold it with open hands, lead me to the truth, and show me what you're doing. Um, and so if that's you, if you would describe yourself as open but cautious, I challenge you to pray a prayer like that. Just open up your heart and then see what God does. It might be pretty cool. So that's my story. Back to you, Nick. Man. Love you, man. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it. And uh, so pastorally, that situation, Seth, I, I knew what was happening with that individual, but Seth didn't. Seth wasn't an elder at the time. Somebody's life was in danger. They're in a really dark season in their life. To the point that two weeks later, I finally get face to face with this individual. And we're talking, and this, and this person um, shares with me how they feel like God has completely abandoned them. And they've lost their faith. And it's been a really dark season in their life. And about 45 minutes into that conversation with this individual, all of a sudden I remember what Seth shared about that's the, per the person that, that uh, the Lord told Seth to pray for. I'm with. And I say, you want to know God's love for you? There's an individual in our church named Seth who, he, he, he's not a flag-waving Pentecostal, you know? Like, he's not like, he's not just here. He's not having angelic visitations and all that stuff. Like, this is all new to him. He got woken up by the audible voice of God to pray for you two Fridays ago. And you're telling me God doesn't love you? You're telling me God doesn't care about you? So here's the thing. As we pursue God's voice, we immediately get to see God's heart. It's, and and Seth, Seth is spot on with sharing this. And this is Seth and the elder's heart is this. Is we're not after experience. We're after advancing God's kingdom. And the way that kingdom advances is, is by the spirit. is by the power of the spirit done in love. But when you begin to be yielded to this, all of a sudden you begin to see God's heart for people. And that man's life, his, walk with you, his life was changed at that moment. When I was able to share that, broke down in tears, weeping in front of my very eyes when I told him that. And just had a powerful account. It was awesome. Absolutely amazing. And so our God is it's hardly caged or silent. He is living and active and on the move. And I hope that this sermon has stirred that faith in you. So band, you can come on forward. I'll close with Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask, or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we are gathered here today 
worshiping a king who's alive. Thank you, Jesus. You're not in the grave. You shot out of the grave. And you ascended to the right hand of the Father. And when you did, you poured out the Holy Spirit upon your church. So that we know that we know that you are present in us and among us wherever we go at all times. You have not abandoned us. You have not left us as orphans. You have not left us to navigate this hard, difficult journey alone. You're with us, God. You're alive. You're on the move. You're still doing what you did in the book for the glory of your name and for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. And so, Father, we love you. We bless your name. Thank you that your ways are not our ways. Thank you that when we want to keep you in a box, you don't even honor that. And you shatter paradigms. Thank you, God. You can't be contained. That's the God we worship and serve. That's where our hope is rooted, on the empty grave. He's alive. He's not dead and, and, and lifeless and mute, but he's alive and speaking and active and moving. And so we thank you for the testimonies that were shared, but we thank you for the testimonies that are to come, God. There's so much more that you want to do with a yielded church. A church that sees you rightly, a church that has faith to believe in the might and the presence and the power and the love of their God. And so, Lord, we posture our hearts. God, search us, O Holy Spirit, where we just wanted to box you out, where we just prefer comfortable Christianity. It's just easier to have you out of our business. It's just easier to come and leave the same. Lord God, forgive us, God. We yield to your scriptures. And in your word, you've shown us that you're alive, you're on the move, you've poured out the Spirit. You want this good news to go to the ends of the earth, and how it does that is by the empowerment of the Spirit. So I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you'd clothe us in power. Give us your heart, God, for the lost. God, may we not leave here seeking encounters with you. May we leave here seeking to build up your body in love, to seek and save the lost, all the while needing, we need your voice and guidance to do that. We can't do it without you, God. So, Lord God, we ask for an increase of your presence, your empowering grace to thrust us to the mission field. I pray, Lord, you'd wake up people this week with dreams, with audible voices, to pray for lost loved ones, to pray for people in the church who are going through a difficult season, and that we would be a people of faith. When you look upon the transit church, you would see faith, God. You're worthy of that, God. You're worthy of that. So we love you. We bless your name. And all God's people said, amen.